Hello and welcome to D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today, we're synergizing with Brian Alston, co-founder and CMO of Greater Than, as well as a very proud member of the very first C-suite mastermind cohort a couple weeks ago here in Victoria, BC. Greater Than was a struggling performance hydration brand until they met Brian, who helped them uncover the most passionate part of their audience, lactating mothers. Since then, they've scaled to 7 million with realistic plans on 75 million in the next three years. After meeting Brian, I'll tell you one thing, don't bet against him. In this podcast, you'll hear why brand matters less than you think, especially when you have ultimate product fit and organic community. You'll hear Brian's plan to train his best customers to be viral social media celebrities. He'll also give his take on why iOS 14 was actually good for D2C. Pour yourself a tall glass of whatever Brian's drinking and get ready to get greater than by the end of this podcast. Hope you love it. It was crazy. It was the most immediate case of product market fit I've ever seen. Our CPAs were horrible. They were like well into the hundreds. We were doing a comparison ad between us and Body Armor. After a few weeks of running this test towards the audience that I thought would be our niche, soccer moms, some of these moms began to post photos of their breast milk in the comment section of our ads, showing how many ounces they produced when they would drink this product. And we really debated going back to the client and telling them this. This is kind of weird to talk brands, it's a fluke, maybe we'll get in trouble. But I was like, you know what, fuck it, let's just see what happens if we take this word-for-word testimonial and run it as an ad. In six weeks, our acquisition costs dropped by 90%. Wrong size, wrong color, didn't look right in the living room? There are hundreds of reasons your customers return products, but returns don't have to be goodbyes. They can be an opportunity to complete the shopping experience. Built exclusively for Shopify, Loop lets you create a delightful return experience to attract and retain more customers. By making it easy for your customers to find products they love, they'll come back again and again. See why thousands of Shopify brands like Allbirds, Chubbies, and Brooklinen trust Loop as their return partner at loopreturns.com DTC. Brian, welcome to the D2C podcast. It's great to reconnect after C-Suite a couple weeks ago. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Um, it was an amazing conference. I'm excited to keep the conversation going. Yeah, I think that that was definitely the best part. We had, you know, 45 amazing brands out there from all over North America, one from Belgium. It was really amazing. And you actually stepped up and were part of the hot seat uh, format where we you actually sort of bared your, your business to the world, which it ended up just being a lot like an interactive podcast, which I think uh, was was really interesting for the content flow. But for our audience here on the D2C side, why don't you give me the why of Greater Than? Um, so Greater Than has sort of had two lives. Um, the first life was as a healthy, natural sports drink that was primarily aimed at CrossFit men. And about three or so years ago, like they came to work like with us at the agency I was at at the time. And they were like, we have six months left to figure out product market fit or we're going to shut the company down. And we uncovered through a lot of growth hacks that it was actually pregnant and breastfeeding moms that were championing this high electrolyte, low sugar drink for their own unique hydration needs, which at the time was like never really done before. Um, We pretty much went all in on that back in August of 2019. And since then we've grown the business from doing about a hundred grand a year e-commerce to over 7 million. Um, Just made the Inc. 5000 um, two months ago, which is crazy to even think about and are really building a brand around this like sort of as a happy accident 
to become what we want to be as the number one maternal wellness brand in the U.S., um, both with our core hydration drink as well as some other products that we're working on. Who are some of the people in your on your radar that are currently number one in that category? So it's very interesting. Technically, Body Armor, the sports drink um, that Kobe Bryant like co-founded and all of that, that's technically the top hydration drink for these moms. And it was a comparison ad comparing us to them on sugar content and carbs and all of that that led to this organic discovery. Like I said, for whatever reason, there's never been any other hydration brand that's really gone after this specific use case before. Um, and while they aren't really a competitor, we do see Pedialyte as sort of a treasure map, if you will. They aren't really used by pregnant or nursing moms at all. But if you think about it, they are sort of a similar product to us. Same price point, about 6 to $8 a liter, extremely high electrolyte count for a more medicinal use case. They are pretty much exclusively merchandised in the baby aisle of all of these stores. But what most people don't realize is that they're about a seven or $8 billion company and actually make more money than Gatorade, yet they've been totally ignored. And they've been able to use that credibility they've got with um, like being healthy enough for sick children to become the number one hangover drink on the planet. More than half of those sales come from hangovers. And while we don't see ourselves abandoning moms as our core audience, we do see a lot of um, potential to spread our wings a little bit as we grow. It's one of those huge just brand standards. And it's interesting. I hadn't heard actually that that it's such a hangover remedy. And it's people then sort of reverting back to their childlike phase and being like, oh, I need some Pedialyte to make me feel better essentially, right? Totally. That's super interesting. So so hydration is a big market and obviously product market fit where you're obviously focusing on a sort of reverse hydration that happens naturally during breastfeeding, obviously needing replenishment. So I think probably the biggest thing about Pedialyte is that every hospital, every medical professional in the world uses Pedialyte. So how are you going to occupy that space uh, from a grassroots perspective uh, among professionals? Totally. I mean, like I said, we don't see Pedialyte as a competitor at all. So if they're listening to this podcast, we aren't coming after you. Like for us, it's really been less about like, like being recommended by doctors and more recommended by moms. I think that's one reason why a lot of brands since we made this pivot and had all the success have tried to enter the space and haven't worked. It's because if moms aren't recommending your product to other moms in this very grassroots way, it's not going to work. And it has to be in these small private mom groups or these text message chains or things that aren't really scalable. Um, so for us, we really see going all in on the community aspect of our brand as being the saving grace for the company and how we plan on growing. Plus, we also do want to do a clinical trial and, you know, I might cross our T's and dot our I's from a science standpoint once we get our funding. Um, it's worth pointing out that not only has this been totally overlooked by hydration, but there hasn't been a single clinical study into lactation since the early 80s, period. Um, it's just been a very under-researched and sort of overlooked I'm like market and like biological issue for a lot of people. And unfortunately for us as the first movers, we're going to have to bear the brunt of doing all that research. But obviously then get the benefit of it if it leverages you into these communities in a deeper way, which it sounds like it might. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we already have some doctors and OBGYNs and lactation consultants who do recommend us 
to their patients, it's not something that we've scaled, um, especially since we haven't really had the inventory to go full wholesale, but it's something that we are interested in exploring more of down the road. I want to dive into the community strategy, but before that, let's just talk a little bit about your experience on paid social. Uh, let's let's start on paid social, essentially. Like, it's a product where you have a very narrow time window where you can kind of reach people at, so it's uh, got to be a challenge for the algorithm. What has been your experience marketing a product to this niche using paid social? It's been great, to be honest. Um, I think the blessing and the curse of our category is... It's extremely specific. So for us, like, I mean, as you know, with Facebook and the iOS 14 stuff, we can't get super granular in terms of our audiences. So most of our targeting is fairly broad, but our creative is, a, it pretty much only appeals to breastfeeding moms. So if you're someone who sees it on your feed, you're gonna scroll past it unless you are either breastfeeding or your wife is breastfeeding or your daughter just gave birth. So we pretty much run content that is exclusively speaking to these moms and showing them what they want to see immediately. Like in the first two seconds, we try to both educate and entertain. And because there's always new moms giving birth, we have content from two years ago that still works. Because to them, it's new. They had no idea that it's been around for two years. So we have, to your point, this cycle where it's a limited time window, but there's always new eyeballs coming into the funnel. And as that happens, our brand credibility keeps growing and growing because the moms who sort of graduated from drinking greater than every day to maybe every few weeks, she's the one who's telling all these moms in these private chats and channels, drink greater than for X, Y, and Z hydration needs. So then specifically with paid social, it it, did it work? I remember we discussed this a little bit at the at the event, but did it work out of the gate? I think CPG is such a tough category for so many people to make work on paid social actually profitably, but did targeting this niche really, really help? Sure. So just to give you some like numbers, since this was years ago, back when we first started on paid social, when this was a CrossFit drink, our CPAs were horrible. They were like well into the hundreds of dollars per customer, which just wasn't going to work. Um, like I mentioned, we were doing a comparison ad between us and Body Armor, which we didn't know at the time was really popular with breastfeeding moms. We just were like, well, this is our closest competitor and we're objectively healthier than them. So we're going to do the, the math for the customer on here's all these 10 facts about our product that are better. Our sugar content, we're in a paper carton, etc. Um, our juice content. And then... After a few weeks of running this test towards the audience that I thought would be our niche, which was soccer moms, that was sort of our hypothesis going into summer 2019, some of these moms began to post photos of their breast milk in the comment section of our ads, as well as screenshots of their milk tracking apps showing how many ounces they produced when they would drink this product and when they would stop, it would plummet and they would tag 10 of their girlfriends. So, I mean, I'll never forget this. And I wish I still had the Slack screenshot. Like, we really debated, like going back to the client at the time, greater than, and telling them this, and being like, what should we do with this? This is kind of weird, it's off brand, it's a fluke, maybe we'll get in trouble. But I was like, you know what, fuck it. Let's just see what happens if we take this word-for-word -word testimonial and this photo and run it as an ad. And within six weeks, our acquisition costs dropped by 90%. And it pretty much has never gone back up beyond a, a certain range, aside from a few weeks post iOS 14. 
it was crazy. It was pretty much the most immediate case of product market fit I've ever seen. And what's interesting is, again, the community found us. And they basically were like, no, this CrossFit bro drink is actually, for us, is lactating moms. And we're going to tell all of our moms about it. And we just like let it happen. And we've nurtured it. And they've rewarded us with their loyalty as well as a very affordable acquisition cost. It's absolutely amazing because it's still a brand that's very gender neutral aimed at like, is it even like a silhouette of a, of a woman on the, you know, on the package? It's, it's a very gender neutral brand. There's probably an opportunity to speak more to moms even in the brand. Is that something you're considering? We are literally in the process of our rebrand now. Um, so stay tuned for Q1 to Q2 of 2023, which is when we'll be rolling out our new packaging. But I think the gender neutral thing is very interesting because the ironic thing is now we have men drinking this product as a sports drink because their wives brought it into the house. And because it's gender neutral, they're like, oh, wow, like I can drink this. We've had Olympic gold medalists. We've had pro athletes. Like, and we never advertise any of that because our moms don't care about this NBA player drinking it. They care about his wife who was drinking it for her own pregnancy and lactation purposes. You discover this one market that, you know, out of this much broader market and it really works. And now you're going to get so good at this market that you're going to expand back into the other market. Yeah. Or not expand. Like we're like, okay, well maybe we can, you know, sacrifice the sports drink market and just play with mom and the lactation and pregnancy market and sort of expand from there. Um, We have moms who give this to their kids as a juice box. We have a lot of people who use this as a Pedialyte alternative. Um, I brought it to um, a wedding I was at last year. And you know, we're all in our 30s, so we can't really drink as much as we used to. And I just brought a bunch of greater than, and everyone there was like, I'll, I'll never go back. Like, my hangovers are gone. It's perfect. But again, we don't really advertise that because we haven't needed to. Being a father, uh, buying juice boxes for my daughter, there's like only a couple brands that do like a reduced sugar option, but you just look at the amount of sugar in these things. Uh, I think that's a huge, huge opportunity as well is those sort of like naturally lower sugar children's items that people buy so religiously. Totally. And again, mom is the one who sort of brings all this into the house. And that's another reason why we really feel very happy and not afraid that sure, like lactating moms have a limited window. But for us, the longer term vision is if we earn mom's trust and she's bringing us into our family, she's going to influence everyone in our community to use greater than for their own purposes. Like we even had this like e-commerce software salesman who was given greater than when he had COVID by his breastfeeding neighbor who knew he was sick. And she was like, here's this drink that I use for my lactation. Drink this to help. And he was like, he was like, it's perfect. She did that without us having to prompt her. So I, like, I feel like for us, the long-term play is really to continue to earn the trust of mom and to really shift away from being a direct-to-consumer brand to being a direct-to-community brand, which I feel has really been one of the reasons we've seen our, our marketing KPIs get better post-iOS 14 versus where they were before. 
Amazing. As long as it's still D to C, I think that's fine. I think it's okay for it to be direct to community. No, and I think let's let's drill in on that. So it's like you're having you're still having these amazing results on on paid social, which is a real testament to the algorithm, I guess, for you to be able to continually advertise and for them to be able to because your creative is doing the pulling, but they're obviously pretty good at honing in on on the right market as well for it to be so cost effective. Yeah, talk more about your your vision for the future for you know for a world where this can be entirely community driven. Sure. I mean, we do want to go into stores at some point. That's something that is one of the reasons we're doing our rebrand so we can just be all in on mom. I mean, our packaging looks exactly the same as it was before all this happened. So we haven't invested in really changing anything about the product itself, like the formulation, the aesthetic, our website hasn't really been updated dramatically in almost two years, but it performs well. I would say for the future, now that we know our product market fit, we've had thousands of hours of conversations with our customers. They send us a lot of fan mail, a lot of feedback. We want to just keep doing what she wants. If that means she wants certain products launched, we can make it as long as it's healthy and organic and fits our value props. There's been tons of things that we've tested where she'll recommend a specific influencer or, hey, you should work with this nurse. We're like, great. Let's call her up. So it's really treating mom with respect and credibility and delivering not only a great product for her, but also a really great experience. And what is what, what are the top channels that this community lives on? You mentioned the ad comments, which is an amazing place for a community to take hold. But what, what is sort of home base for the greater than community? And we're still a very Facebook and Instagram heavy brands. I bet you moms congregate. I bet you where a lot of mom influencers are especially Facebook, where there's so many private Facebook groups pretty much in every town that, again, are very, it's a very fragmented space. But we found that regardless of how fragmented it is, greater than it's being talked about in all these places, TikTok has been a very good top of funnel channel for us, but it's not something that has the lifetime value or the repeat rates that we see from Facebook or Instagram. So we still invest in TikTok because it's important for awareness and for impressions. But like Facebook and Instagram is still really heavy for us, both on the organic and the paid side. Yeah, I want to dive more into what that community strategy actually looks like. But retail is just such an amazing opportunity for you as well. Have you had any sort of preliminary discussions with Because uh, I guess your rebrand is going to be really, really critical to sort of where you sit in that grocery aisle. Have you had any early discussions? Because I imagine it could be, you know, this category creation kind of thing is probably interesting to a lot of people who, who stock the aisles. Yeah, we have had some conversations. I, of course, I can't go into any details about that. But again, the blessing and the curse of being the first mover advantage is a year and a half ago, people were like, huh, this seems a little small. It's like a nice niche. That's really cute. You know, come back to us when you're bigger. And now that we are bigger, and now that we are serious about the rebrand, incorporating some of the feedback we got from these retailers into our designs, um, as well as our placement strategy, and we have tons of actual data to inform exactly what locations might be good. Or we have a bunch of customers who've told us what stores they shop at and all of that. We have a pretty good understanding of how we can dominate retail. And again, I don't see retail as competing with e-commerce, just like how I don't see Amazon and Shopify as competing. I see all of it as one ecosystem that all can work very well together. And I do think that we will do very well in retail 
Um, but I can't go into any more detail about how that will play out. iOS 14.5, the infamous Apple update left D2C brands struggling to find and market to the right audiences. That's why hundreds of D2C brands are turning to Black Crow AI to boost their holiday marketing. Their plug and play machine learning technology measures in real time every visitor's likelihood to buy. You can then use these predictions to build predictive audiences for retargeting and prospecting. In short, Black Crow AI can significantly boost ROAS by helping you specifically target people who will actually want to buy from you. Find out why brands like Magic Spoon, Barabee, and Liquid IV are using Black Crow AI to supercharge their holiday marketing efforts. Visit blackcrow.ai DTC to request a 30-day free trial. What percentage of your sales at this point are com- what you'd call community-driven versus just sort of like transactional um, from, from paid social and things like that? I would say that in terms of like word of mouth and organic, we're about 25 to 30%, um, like depending on the month. Um, it's been increasing pretty dramatically, especially this summer, because as you, I mean, I'm not sure if they had this in Canada, but here in the US, there was a huge baby formula shortage that started back in May. And for weeks before that shortage happened, we began to go viral in these weird spurts. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, where are all these sales coming from and all this traffic? I couldn't track it. It was all just like direct and organic. And then when it became national news that there was a baby formula shortage, it was very obvious what was happening. Our customers who were on the front lines experiencing that were going into these private mom groups telling people through word of mouth, you need to stock up on greater than to help increase your milk supply or to stay hydrated or whatever it is. And that word of mouth was already happening without us even the, like being aware of it or pushing it. Um, the only thing that we really did in response to that was encourage our moms who have a surplus of milk to donate to some of their local milk banks and like facilitating that. But I think that that's a true testament of not only the power of moms, but also the power of building a community-centric brand with a high enough level of credibility that these moms will go out of their way to tell other moms who are total strangers, drink this product during the most critical stage of your life where you literally are worried about if you can feed your baby. I feel like that's something that to me proved that we were more than just like this cool growth hack and more so that's actually helping a lot of people and their families. It's a trip too, because the brand is still not dialed into the core audience. They're still using it sort of despite the way it, it appears. And it really, it's a real testament to the brand's role in product market fit at times, right? Like obviously to to take this to the next level, to become that iconic product that people just refer to like Kleenex, you know, like I think the rebrand is going to be essential to truly own it, but it's, yeah, it's mind blowing to me that it hasn't slowed you down at all so far. It's probably a super controversial take, but I think that for me, brand comes after performance. And for us, like we've spent over three years understanding to an intimate on like detailed level, the messaging hierarchy, what our customers care about, the exact value props, the types of colors they like. We're basically piecing together our brand based off of data that's statistically significant and is consistent over time versus how I feel most people look at brands, which is let's make it beautiful and fit certain best practices and then push it out in the wild. And what I found with Greater Than is our customers don't really care at all about the aesthetic or about feeling pandered to because technically body armor, which is a brand that's 
they're very aware that they've had this following with breastfeeding moms for years and they don't care at all because that's not their brand. They're never going to sort of deviate from that. They own sports, yet moms are still recommending them. So I feel like depending on the category, especially with this one, moms just aren't really interested in that. And as you'll see, I guess I'll give a little preview about what we don't want our brand to look like. No pastels, no sort of cuddly, stereotypical mom brand aesthetics. We want things to still feel exciting and fun and sort of high energy versus what I feel is sort of condescending to moms by like fitting this brand they love into this box that makes sense, but really isn't based on any data, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think this is this kind of performance branding is super interesting and great for great for the audience to hear about. What I want to hear more about is how you're going to your vision to change the 3070 or you know paid versus sort of organic community growth. What are your plans over the next several years for how you want that to to be distributed? Do you want to keep it at this or do you want to really grow the community? Oh, I definitely want to grow the community or the mom unity um, as they like to call it. I mean, we are growing our private Facebook group pretty dramatically. Um, we also like want to do things that are somewhat unscalable. Like we call customers on the phone. Like we want to like send them gifts. Like we want to do things that make them feel like we're a true part of their life. But in terms of the thing that I'm most excited about, there is an experiment I'm running. So I don't have any conclusive results yet, but we have tested basically training some of our customers to become influencers which we already saw success with almost two years ago, where this one customer went extremely viral on TikTok, raving about greater than, like to the point where we had to shut off all of our paid ads for a month because we were selling out of all of our inventory too fast. And then we basically, I mean, she was like the face of greater than for about six months. And her own following grew from about 20,000 followers on TikTok to a quarter million. In that time frame. she was able to get a bunch of other brand deals, which is totally fine with us because they weren't competitors. And if anything, it legitimized her as a true momfluencer in the space. And we, it, like we hired her full time and we were like, Hey, like what if we could do that again? So we have been running this test over the past few months where we, you know, have a cohort of curated customers that went through a pretty long process to identify them. And we basically trained them to become influencers. We give them extremely specific, detailed tips on what they should be doing with their contents. We put them in front of our audience. We do all sorts of things to try to stack the deck in their favor. Because again, we have this really huge audience and brand credibility that we want to use to augment their lives and also pay them. Especially because moms, especially here in the US, have been one of the group's hardest hit by COVID financially. Um, a lot of the jobs that they would have otherwise done have sort of dried up and they need some extra cash. So we found this really nice way to, again, think about it less as let's pay this person to hold up our carton with a face full of makeup and have that be our influencer strategy and really make it more of a community strategy where we're paying our customers to produce content and not just about greater than, um, just about things that are relevant to moms and to their audience. And we're able to get a lot of content in exchange for that. And they're able to get the follower growth as well as some cash. 
And you have that passionate following anyway. People are making these effusive comments about the brand anyway throughout the ads uh, in feedback to you as well. So just sort of giving people that opportunity and the, and then the distribution strategy, because that's the one of the hardest things about scaling influencer marketing is sort of just having all the, that reliable network of people you can just kind of deploy. But when you're sort of like training them up and providing them this like, you know, different income stream, uh, it probably bodes well for your ability to scale it up. Like how how big could that get? Like you could have you could have thousands of people kind of doing that potentially, you know, running as affiliates essentially at that point. It's possible. Yeah. Um, it's still an experiment. And like for me, it's like I said, like I don't like to sort of call things a win until it's statistically significant. And we know that the the LTV of the audience and all of that is better or equal to what we're seeing on paid. But eventually, sure, if we see that this actually works and scales to that level, then we would want to keep doing it more and more. But we're also seeing paid to work. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think that's that's a, a real testament to the niche as well, right? Niching down. At, at scale, I think once you're once you have retail in the mix, I feel like podcasts could be like a really great format for you. There's just so many mom specific podcasts out there. Totally. I mean, we've tested like some ads over podcasts, like spoken. Like for us, we're just a very visual brand. People need to see greater than, they need to see the moms, see their faces, like so I feel like podcasts will be something that we could dabble in again when we have the budget. But in the short term, I feel like we have a really good amount of headroom left on both organic and paid social to scale that. What are your goals? You mentioned some figures earlier about where you're at. Like, what are your goals over the next uh, couple of years with Greater Than? I think Greater Than could do 75 million in, in the next three years, um, pretty conservatively. I mean, we have a very clear path towards that. Um, like we're, I mean, we've already sort of escaped the orbit of being a sports drink, which I think was very difficult and took a lot of work and maneuvering. But I feel like that was a very important milestone for the company just because of our price. Like if you compare us to Gatorade, we're incredibly expensive. But if you compare us to Pedialyte, we're the same price. So I feel like escaping that sports drink orbit was very important to us. And again, like having three and a half years of a head start in terms of the credibility that we've earned person by person is something that you can't really hack or can't really sort of like shortcut your way to, which is why I feel comfortable talking about all this publicly. We've had other hydration brands try this and after a few months they stop like running the ads. So I feel like for us, our path is continuing to blaze this trail, build this sort of new industry of like maternal hydration and wellness in the postpartum period across both e-commerce and retail. So we can cross that $75 million threshold. Um, anything beyond that would obviously be amazing, but I would say conservatively 75. I'm just so curious too. I, I don't know if you're, if you're okay to talk about this, but just going back to you uh, joining greater than becoming uh, the CMO and co-founder, like the, the, if I understand correctly, you joined it at, from an agency that, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So my entire background before Greater Than, so before I joined two years ago, in fact, I think my two year anniversary was yesterday <laughs> when I joined, uh, was it primarily in the agency world. I started in e-commerce for both Gap and Banana Republic out of college, um, learned the ropes of e-commerce and retail and like business and like inventory planning, 
but I knew I wanted to go into marketing specifically. So after a few years I left and then I ended up at Hawk Media, which at the time was a small two room agency in like Venice Beach in Los Angeles. This was right when Silicon Beach, as they called it, was really taking off. Like the direct to consumer ecosystem in LA was still sort of in its infancy. And I joined as the first person in the company who had any e-commerce experience. Um, and then within two years, we went from 12 people to 130 employees. Um, I was the head of strategy there. So really got thrown into the deep end in terms of how e-commerce works across every possible product you could imagine. But I knew I wanted to do more quality work. So I left and I went to a smaller boutique agency that was based in Orange County. Um, where we took on fewer clients, but ones that we basically pre-audited to make sure that we could do great work for them. And some of those brands that we launched back in 2019, at the same time as this Greater Than Pivot, were Magic Spoon, Our Place, Clove, uh, and a bunch of other brands that we were working with that had already launched that we grew pretty dramatically. And at the same time all this was happening, this was when Greater Than came in as a client, sort of on their last leg. and. I don't know, as soon as I tried the drink itself, there was just this, this gut feeling I had. There was something here. I didn't know what it was, but it's not a sports drink. I saw it as sort of a hydrating juice box that could find home with families, specifically kids and maybe their mom. Um, so we tested that soccer mom audience. Some of those moms were breastfeeding and then that led to this. And then after about a year or so of them as my client, um, like right at the height of 2020 and when e-commerce was just booming, that's when I approached them. And I was like, look, I think there's something here. Realistically, I want to work for you full time. I approached them, um, which is probably super taboo, but I just felt like it was an opportunity that couldn't be passed up for either of us. I pretty much had exclusively worked with them for those two years. Um, we already had built a lot of trust. I sort of knew the space well enough. And I was already doing tons of extra work <laughs> for them because I was so passionate. So I hired, so they hired me full time. And the results have been, it's funny thinking of both you and Sean Frank, uh, Hawk alumni joining, you know, these, he was talking about taking, you know, um, the wallet company, Ridge Wallets, you know, so exponentially. And I'm sure they've been absolutely thrilled with the growth you've been able to drive. Were you able to get like co-founding credits? Is was that, did that just come with, you know, after it had been established? Is that because is that, is that you relaunched it? and because you just smashed it with such great results? Yeah, I mean, I'm someone who likes to negotiate. So, and 99.8% of the revenue the company has generated since launch has come after the breastfeeding pivot. So I asked to be CMO and co-founder with all of the perks that come with that, and I got it. Amazing. Well done. That's it's that was a story we didn't cover uh, at the mastermind. I just think it's always interesting to hear these origin stories, how they come about. So here's a question: If we were to give you fifty thousand dollars, that have to be has to be used in your marketing over the next, uh, say, thirty days or f through Q4, I guess you could say, where would you be deploying it right now? I mean, if it was free, I would just put it on Facebook to push our powders. In fact, by the time this probably goes live, we would have already pre-launched our powders. Um, it's the first new product launch that we've had in almost two years. Powders have been the number one requested item from pretty much everyone we've talked to. Our customers, retailers, like, like you name it. So we're like, hey, like, let's just make 
the best powder we can with the same sort of healthy, clean label ingredients, no added sugar, all of that. Um, like right now I'm seeing it as more of an upsell item and more of a retention vehicle. But if I had the extra $50,000, I would test it as a prospecting vehicle just to see what would happen and to see what the customer behavior would be like for the powders versus these 40 pound drinks that we have to ship in the mail. <laughs> Your cost of goods are just gonna t just be massively benefited by that as well as the shipping costs, obviously. Totally. But again, we haven't launched them yet. So um, we don't know what the response is gonna be from moms. Like I'm pretty conservative when it comes to this stuff. So until we get that data, I wouldn't wanna prospect with these. I would wanna have them as a retention play. Nice. Oh, well, I'm super excited to stay in touch and uh, keep chatting about uh, about your evolution here because I think, yeah, I think you're just scratching the surface. I wanted to ask what what sort of stuck in your mind uh, that you actually learned at C-Suite Mastermind? I still have to go through all my notes. I, I wrote like a whole like binder <laughs> of notes. Um, I would say True Earth, um, the like detergent strips changed everything. Um, I can't say what strategies we're going to implement based off of his recommendations. But like I mentioned, we have this very heavy product that we have to ship in the mail. Just like if he was a normal detergent brand, he would have to ship very heavy detergents. And we have powders coming out that are much lower weight and have similar benefits to his detergent strips, which I've been using by the way, and I'll yeah. never go back. No, they're great, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm obsessed. So I can't go into details about exactly what I took from that, but I think that what I liked about the conference is it wasn't just about marketing growth hacks. It was about business improvement, not just for like, hey, run this one ad on Facebook, but it's like, hey, here's how you can, you know, incorporate like logistics improvements into your marketing planning and like just all stuff like that. I felt made it a little bit more holistic and more advanced. Plus, I would say in general, it was just very nice to talk shop with so many people in e-commerce after the past three years the industry has had. Um, I would say like this industry has advanced and changed so much since 2019 when most of us were at our last conference. It was just an incredibly exciting experience to not only meet everyone face to face and in person, but to just see how much similarity there is across all of our businesses. And the things that work to sell kids books could also work to sell any product. I love the fact that half of the room at least or more in their own way, I'm sure we're just such mission driven entrepreneurs as well. Like I've come from uh, that, that hardcore marketing world, the affiliate marketing world. And just to see the evolution of D2C from when I first started, you know, hosting events about it, when it was all about drop shipping and, you know, moving product and stuff about how, how much better it becomes when it is, you know, driven by people that have this, like this idea of mission behind it. Right. Absolutely. And again, like, I mean, this is super controversial, but I'll just say it like, I personally think iOS 14 was great. Like, I think that it sort of, sure, it made things more difficult, but I feel like it made us go back to true marketing versus, hey, I'm just gonna come up with some hacks to game the algorithm, which is important. That's a very important part of how we do our job. But I feel like a lot of the classic, how to advertise and how to know your customer and all of that got lost. Back when it was so easy just to sort of push out whatever ad you wanted. So I'm sort of glad that we're reverting back to a time where it does require um, 
just a little bit more craftsmanship. And I really felt all the people in that room got that and they embraced it, which is why their brands are doing 20, 50, 100 million. I 100% agree. Uh, we're just right now planning our next move in the event space, but we you can be sure with a with a, with an event like that we'll be doing it again, um, and hopefully we will see Brian there because uh, you brought a lot to the proceedings as well. I think um, both presenting on the hot uh, on the hot seat, but also just the way it was just fully interactive. It was it was basically like a podcast, but you've got you know thirty other geniuses in the room who who have ideas uh, to share as well. The whole thing was amazing. Um, like I said, like my mind is still racing, um, which is a testament to how good the conference was. And I'm really looking forward to the next one. Thanks for coming on today. I mean, we're gonna, I, I'm just excited. We're, we're gonna do podcasts with a bunch of the, the attendees just because everyone had such interesting, exciting businesses. And I think there was a lot to learn in this one today. So thanks again, Brian. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.